Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. When you bury a parent, you often spend some time reflecting on important times in your life together, the memories that you share. My family moved around a lot, and so remembering my dad involved me remembering all the different places where we lived in our lives, especially where I was as a kid growing up. It reminded me of my time in Fredericton, New Brunswick, capital of one of our three maritime provinces out there in the east. That's where I lived from the time I was about two years old till the end of grade two. When you're a kid, everything is different than it is as an adult. You take things at face value. When I tell things to my kids, I often have to tell them quickly that I'm just joking or I'm not serious because they do tend to believe you. So I remember one time, probably in the summer between grade one and grade two, maybe even between kindergarten and grade one, the one of my friends invited me over to his house because he said, I'm going to have a fair in my backyard. Now, as a kid, I loved fairs. I loved the food and I loved the rides, the Ferris wheel, the little mini roller coaster, the carousel, all that great stuff. And that was the picture I had in my mind of what I was going to find when I went to my friend's house. That I was going to walk down Meadow Green Court down towards Priestman Street and turn, and there in my friend's backyard was going to be a Ferris wheel and a little mini roller coaster and a carousel and popcorn vendors, and it was going to be awesome. Of course, it wasn't quite how it turned out when I actually got to the fair. It's kind of like what Sophia likes to build in her room downstairs. We use our imagination, right? We have to imagine that there's a person there collecting tickets, and we use imaginary money to get in, which is great, because as a kid, imaginary money is about the only money that you have in large quantities. But there were no rides, and there was no Ferris wheel. It wasn't quite what I expected I was going to see. This morning in our Gospel, John's disciples are making their way from prison which is where John has been placed by the king, to Jesus with the question, are you the one that we were expecting or should we look for another? I think that Jesus was a little bit like that fair in my friend's backyard. Not quite as advertised. He wasn't really what they were expecting. And when he finally did come into his own and begin his ministry in Judea, there was a little bit of vexation on the part, we might say, of the disciples and John himself. How do we square what we thought we were expecting with what we actually see? Should we be disappointed? Should we be looking for a fair or a Messiah somewhere else. You remember what John said last week in our Gospel. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water, John said, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. 
His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Meanwhile, there's Jesus curing the sick, casting out demons, preaching good news to the poor, wandering around village to village. Where's the fire? Where's the winnowing fork? Now, John wasn't alone by himself in having these thoughts. There was a little bit of foreshadowing throughout all of the prophets of the Old Testament as to what exactly the Messiah was going to look like when he came. You heard some of it this morning. Behold, your, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Waters will break forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. And the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. I imagine as John the Baptist's disciples made their way from one of Herod's fortresses where John was being kept to wherever Jesus was preaching, They were looking around at the desert, at the incredible lack of water. Where are the streams? Where are the wells? They may even seen jackals off in the distance, haunting just like they always have from the beginning. And then think of all those texts we are about to hear in the Christmas season. All of these promises that the prophets have made regarding Jesus. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips kill the wicked. This is why John is sending disciples to Jesus with that very simple question. Like the same thing I was thinking as I got to my friend's backyard. Is this the fair? Are you the one who was to come? Or should we look for another? Now some people wonder if maybe it's John losing his faith in and of himself. I'm not sure of that. What I am certain is that his disciples were definitely wavering. Perhaps John was even there in prison saying, Look, my parents told me about the angel. Elizabeth told me about Mary coming to visit and about how I leapt in her womb as Jesus, our Lord, approached. But the disciples are thinking of all that John has preached and all that the prophets have announced, and they are skeptical. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. You see, what Jesus does is he flips it all around. He says, okay, I get it. I may not have been quite what you were expecting because you take what you hear and you make a visual picture that actually is not correct. You hear one thing, 
but then you're disturbed when you see something else because your hearing wasn't correct in the first place. And so he flips it all around and talks about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see, he asks. A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. Was John what you expected? Was John what you were looking for when you went out to see him and become his disciples? Appearances, you see, can be deceiving. The voice of one crying in the wilderness may not have exactly matched the expectation of what Elijah would be like when Elijah came. You remember the story of Elijah? How he rounded up 400 prophets of the Master and pitted them against him and the Lord. How the 400 prophets of Baal, the Master, attempted to get their sacrifice accepted by their God by cutting themselves and bleeding and singing, only to have Elijah laugh in their face and say, maybe your God's at the bathroom. It's literally what the Old Testament says. Then to have Elijah turn around, douse his sacrifice with water three times and the wood, soak it all real good, and then say, Lord, this is your moment, and have that whole sacrifice consumed by fire, and then have Elijah turn around and order the massacre of the 400 false prophets who had been misleading the people of God. That's what you were looking for from John the Baptist, right? Was that what you went out in the wilderness to see? Were you surprised to see a man in camel's hair with a leather belt, eating bugs, wild honey? What then did you go out to see? What are you expecting from Jesus? What are you expecting from him this morning? What are you expecting from him this week, this month, on Christmas night, on Christmas morning? Many of our expectations are all wrong. We read the Old Testament and we listen to John and we think, yeah, we want justice against those people. Yeah, we want righteousness for them. They need to be righteous. They need to be better people, those other people outside. What we don't realize when we read those Old Testament passages is that there is a need for justice right here, in our hearts, right at home. That our eyes are far too often blind to God's providence all around us. We talked about that in Bible class this morning. The wealthier countries get after they've been praying for decades to the Lord to bless them, the less they want to come back and give thanks. We go to Haiti, the churches are filled. But I can guarantee you that if God answers their prayers and lifts that nation out of poverty and gives them a strong economy and a good government, those churches will empty out just as fast. We are deaf to the good news. Every Sunday we hear here proclaim the good news of a God who has sent his one and only son into the flesh to deliver us and save us and reconcile us to himself. And yet how many people don't want to hear it and would rather be anywhere else? 
So our brother Jansen just shared with me this morning, how many people have you invited to come just to hear just the good news? But they bought themselves a house, they've married a wife, they have a new cow, they simply cannot come to the banquet. How many of our feet are anxious to walk to those who are in need? How many of them stay lame when there's somebody that we need to walk to? And so we find ourselves being the poor who need good news preached to them, even while being rich. We are not what Jesus was expecting either. You heard the epistle lesson. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Count patience there three times two verses establish your hearts do not grumble against one another brothers so that you may not be judged behold the judge is standing at the door if we are judged by the outside we too might be found wanting but while our outsides are passing away who we truly are in christ on the inside is being saved Redeemed by Christ's blood, justified by his resurrection, sin cut down by the axe of the cross. We are rocks who by the Spirit have been made into children of Abraham. What did you come here to see? It's amazing the things that we go out to see that are not as advertised, but too often that is our fault for not having really, truly read what we should expect to see. Christmas, more than any other season, can be one of those times of incredible hype and incredible letdown. We put so much pressure on ourselves for that perfect Christmas dinner, that perfect time around the tree, that perfect family gathering, and if one thing goes wrong, we feel just a complete and utter letdown. But I can guarantee you and promise you the one thing that will happen at Christmas, no matter whether the turkey is undercooked or overcooked, or whether there is a turkey at all, whether you get the thing you ask for under the tree or you don't, whether the family members do talk politics or they don't, and that is that Christ will still be in his word. He will still be at this altar giving us his body and blood on Christmas morning. He will still be announcing to you the good news. And there will still be angels singing before your Father in heaven. Glory be to God on high, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. God makes us worthy for what he has in store for us. You can expect it. Amen.